There's some movie where a bunch of a bunch of oh. older British oh, actors oh, uh, and actresses. Exotic Marigold Hotel. Hotel. That's the yeah. one. Do you know they're doing a sequel to that piece of shit? No! Yes. That's yeah. true. Oh my god. I think they're bringing in, like, who else is old and British? <laughs> <laughs> who is left? If, uh, the third one will have Pierce Brosnan. He'll have aged into it by then. Oh, jeez. We're going to pack this fucking hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Daily Screening Podcast. As always, my name is Daily. I am joined with my partner in crime, Bart. Hello, hey, Bart. Hey, how are you? Bart. And uh, today we have uh, our guest this week, uh, our resident Wes Anderson aficionado and uh, and dad-to-be, Jared oh, Waterworth. Goodness gracious, thank you. That hey, was... hey, hi, Jared. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of um, course. I, I don't know anyone who is uh, as, as big an Anderson fan as you. I mean, I, I mean, it's everyone... You want, if you're a fan of movies, you should be a fan of Anderson to a certain degree. But I mean, like I, you quoted Rushmore at your wedding, you know. I mean, there's there's a level of dedication there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rushmore is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just my favorite Anderson movie, but my favorite you know movie, movie of all time. Yeah. There's just something about his movies that have I, I don't know always struck chords with me, and um, you know always. Always waiting for the next one. That's the one thing that sucks now. You know, we've seen uh, this movie, Grand Budapest Hotel, and now it's well. I got to wait two years probably for another. You know, that's true. If you're lucky, yeah, two years if you're lucky. Yeah. So. Um, and you had to go on quite a, a little epic journey to to see this one this time. Yeah. You know, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> like I can you know I understand marketing with independent movies you know word of mouth but uh, you know this movie and anderson movies uh, anderson's movies especially usually if there's a independent movie it's going to have a limited release you never really hear anything about release dates it's just sort of there yeah or it's specifically stated opening march 20th in new york and in la yeah sure it, but with Anderson's movies, it never really seems like that. It just is always like, yep, it's opening. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure it out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I had to drive probably a half hour, uh, 40, 40 minutes uh, to see it um, from Bristol, Connecticut, home of the worldwide leader, uh, <laughs> all the way up to uh, Manchester. So, is what it is. That yeah. I think that I think I went to New York City once uh, for one of the. I think for Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, I, I went to New York City. Yeah, I feel like that one had a super narrow release. Um, I mean, and again, you get that sort of relative scale of Anderson movies. I mean, this one is Grand Budapest is packed to the gills with familiar faces, and oh, yeah. I mean, always like the sort of regular Anderson crew, but you know, he's kind of trots out the all stars here. Um, whereas uh, Moonrise Kingdom felt like certainly one of the more minor notes. I mean, you've got this child leads who are pretty much unknown, and 
you know, I mean, you've got people like Bill Murray and Ed Norton and Harvey Keitel, and a lot of the same overlap, but they're all in, you know, relatively much more minor roles. Certainly when it came to the marketing, it was all about those kids, you know? Yeah, and Moonrise Kingdom, too, I felt out of all of Wes Anderson's movies was the one that kind of branched out the most. I mean, you know, you had Bruce Willis, who had never been in one, uh, yeah. to my knowledge, anyway. Francis yeah. McDormand hadn't been in one. Um Edward Norton hadn't even been in one. That was his first yeah, one. Is too. that really true? Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, that was his first. Yeah. So it was just, you know, you had, you know, Murray, you know, in a small in a small, small bit part. Bit, yeah. You know, Schwartzman in a small bit part. But for the most part, you know, that movie yeah. was really for first timers with Anderson. And I think maybe that's why it felt out of all of Wes Anderson's movies, you know, visually and, and my wife said this coming out of the movie uh, last night when we saw it. Um, she said, you know, you can look at one still shot of a Wes Anderson movie. Not even the movie. You could just one still frame. Yeah. And you know exactly that it's a Wes Anderson movie. Absolutely. Um, there was a like, supercut bouncing around the internet this past week. It's like the, Wes Anderson loves symmetry was what yeah. it's called. And that's um, the other thing she said she actually liked too, which was interesting. But, um, you know, Moonrise Kingdom visually, again, it's – very Wes Anderson, yeah. but if you didn't know his visual style, well, I guess if you didn't know his visual style, you probably weren't a fan to begin with, but I, you know, it seems to me like the least of the Wes Anderson-y movies, and I think maybe it's just because the actors are all kind of new, you're not seeing those same familiar faces yeah. all throughout the movie. Yeah, there are no Wilsons in that movie. <laughs> really? There's no Wilsons at all? I don't think so. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you I might don't be think right. there any Wilson brothers in that movie. I was. I kept waiting for Luke Wilson to like pop out of a doorway in in Budapest. Hey, what a fucking cave is he in? Where is yeah. he? Uh, fucking, I don't know. He made is that. He, the... he made that one movie about uh, like the guys who got rich off porn on the internet in the nineties. Like, for like existed for five minutes, and like that was the last I saw of it. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I didn't see it, but I remember that. Yeah, I don't either. I heard it was not very good. So shock. Uh, I don't know. But uh, but yeah so okay so Grand Budapest what's what give me give me give me some love or some some you know some hate or some you know question I don't know what 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 a piece of shit yeah really. what fucking a man that not all what I was expecting two years for this <laughs> no I mean come on I I'm biased obviously um, I think. You know, if Wes Anderson had directed, we talked about this earlier today. I think if Wes Anderson directed Antichrist, you know, I probably would have said, "Oh, I love this! It's so great." The way he framed that female circumcision was terrific. perfectly symmetrical. Yes, it was great. The way he gave it a, a little title card at yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it was terrific. Um, I had a, you know, I had a smile on my face the entire time. I think. It took you on this journey, like you know, I, from from the minute one, I was really hooked into the journey, you know, of all these characters. Yeah. I think he, I think he is brilliant in that way that he connects you to these characters so well. Just yeah, well, I mean, I think I was really uh, taken by this idea of um, of like storytelling, basically. Mm -hmm. That's that's a movie about telling stories um i mean and, and what anderson's kind of always well, i don't want to say he's always been about that but you know the tenenbaums is sort of framed with the you know the chapters of the book and yeah so it's a it's a thing he's done before but 
this, you know, the the way that the the narration shifts um, from uh, Tom Wilkinson to Jude Law, um, that that part of it felt really like this is this is his thing. You know, it's not just about like the story itself. It's that it's the concept of how we tell stories um, and. And I, the thing that jumped out at me specifically was the way that m most people, uh, most of the characters in the movie don't have full names. It's like Gustav H. or uh, uh, Matthew Omarek's character is something X. Like everybody just yeah, has Serge. a last search. Serge X. Like everybody yeah. has like a name and an initial, um, which very feels like a, I'm telling a true story and I'm sparing some names and like that. It, it feels like you know, sort of part of that whole device. Yeah, and I think with Anderson too, you know, that's a very that's a very minor detail that a lot of people probably don't catch, you know, catch on. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure he, you know, even those minor details, I mean, he thinks about and he chooses every little thing yeah. like for a reason, for a purpose. He doesn't just you know, say oh yeah we'll just do that you know for whatever that's i guess that's i guess that's fine i guess that's cool he's yeah. so it, it just seems like he's so very so you know he's so passionate about just every little detail of the movie yeah exactly uh, so you can't you can't help but appreciate that i guess oh yeah no exactly like you said earlier yeah you know if you're if you're a film fan you can't not appreciate his movies you might not like them maybe you don't like you know his dialogue maybe you don't like you know the way you know his you know productions look or his yeah. camera work well and that's i mean i think there's an argument to be made there that you know i think a lot of people sort of feel like um with someone like anderson where you know they burst onto the scene with movies like like rushmore and bottle rocket um mm -hmm. and they ha sort of have a very unique voice and I feel like a lot of times people expect to see that voice really grow and alter and shift. And like they keep waiting for the person to do like a really different thing. And Anderson's someone who's like, even when he makes a stop motion animated movie about like foxes and like, it's still like you never, you, whenever like you said, whenever you're watching a Wes Anderson movie, you know, you're watching a Wes Anderson movie. And I yeah. feel like a lot of people, that sort of weird particular style or that sort of quirkiness of the worlds that he creates at, like after a while, I feel like it kind of rubs them the wrong way. Like they keep waiting for him to do something different. And you're like, yeah, well, this is just like, this is what you signed up for, man. Like, I don't yes, know. He does. I don't know. What, does. I don't know what you were expecting. Even if you, even if you, uh, feel that way even if you feel like yeah i'm just he, it's, he's a one-trick pony or like i feel like he's just doing the same thing over and over again you can't not you can't watch that movie and not at the very least appreciate the incredible level of of care and detail in every corner yeah. of the frame you know um, yeah and if and i mean if you didn't then you're just a fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> uh bartholomew thoughts <sighs> Oh, I, mean, I, I think I think I'm gonna get start to get pigeonholed here. Yeah. Well, because here's the um, thing. I don't, give me, give me. We've never really had a good conversation about about Wes Anderson, Anderson in yeah. the in the whole. I mean, I know we <coughs> yeah. each sort of we've certainly watched some Wes movies before and certainly. appreciated. Like Rushmore was that was right when we were in high school. I so. haven't seen Rushmore since high school. Oh, I can't wow. even speak intelligently wow. about it anymore. No, I know, and it's it's one of those movies that's on my list, and I just <laughs> never. Um, I'm gonna though. I swear. The only, the only one that I really know is Tenenbaums. Yeah. Um, I've, okay. I mean, I've seen I've seen Life Aquatic. 
I've seen Rushmore. I haven't seen Bottle Rocket yet. Yeah. Um, what am I missing? Uh, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Nope. Yep. Darjeeling. Nope. Darjeeling Limited, yeah. I own Darjeeling. Ooh, and Moonrise. And Moonrise, yeah. Also, no. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of... So the, last, here. so, the last handful, basically. The last yeah. couple he's done. So, yeah. it, it's, it's been a while, I guess. Okay. Um, and I really appreciate his visual style. I really do, because it's distinct. Yep. It's just well done, period. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is a function of my getting a little older or what, but somehow to me, it's starting to feel a little heavy-handed. Um, which is not really a criticism, because again, that could just be a function of me. Mm. Um, but it just... You were talking about narration a minute mm-hmm. ago, and this is the same sort of thing, is I, I'm not so sure how much I want to be led around anymore. Yeah. Um, I like... I, I, I always, I've never had a problem with voiceovers. I like narration. I like the title card thing. I like his visual style, but but like you were saying here, how it's how it switches from um, what's his name Wilkinson from Wilkinson to Jude Law. To Jude Law. Yeah. It, it it felt a little meandering to me in a way that a storybook in my head wouldn't be. Okay. Um, okay. Like I feel like there should be a narrator. I'm, which is fine. Like, I'm happy to have that. Again, totally happy to have that. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But when you have several and they're layered, I feel like you either need to pull it back out through all the layers or not have them all. I don't know. It just I can, it, it, it I never can quite resolved that. for me. I can understand that. No, because uh, and it definitely to go through it so quick, like the first five minutes yeah. is this guy's narrating, now this guy's narrating, mm-hmm. now this guy's narrating. Who and was Tom Wilkinson, by the way? So Tom Wilkinson was old Jude Law. Oh, Tom Wilkinson was old Jude Law. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I feel like I knew that at the beginning, and by the and time the end, by the end. by the time the end came around, I was like, who are you again? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I really like the sort of seamless transition between the two of them, where it started out with Tom Wilkinson because you saw him, and then you saw Jude Law on screen oh, and heard right. him narrating that's before right. he had actually spoken in a scene. Right. So it was a, I actually felt like that was actually a really nice, like smooth, kind of clever transition. Right. Oh, one of the greatest moments of the movie too was with it was right at the beginning with Tom Wilkinson when the camera oh, you know, oh, the kid, kid, that was kid. Awesome. oh my god. The we the whole yeah, the whole audience lost their mind for that. That was great. Yeah, hilarious. Um the hold on, point of point of order. Point of order. Um so Daly and I just saw this right now. We just came from the theater. Jared, you saw it on Friday? Friday? Yeah, so 48 hours ago. Okay, so just... So we haven't, or at least I haven't, really had time to digest this. Um, I don't know where you are with it daily, but... Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple a couple things floating around in, in my noggin. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I... But, yeah, I, but I think that's a valid point that, yeah, I mean, these are kind of movies that you kind of sit with and you kind of live with and... I think you sometimes kind of find your favorite stuff in the second and third viewings. Um, I feel like he's a guy who kind of lends himself well to that stuff. You know? Oh, that's the other point I wanted to make. So again, you know, I, I haven't seen a crap ton of them. Um, the only one I've ever owned is, is Tenenbaums, and I can say that I adore it. I love that movie. Um, it, it is it is the only that that movie contains the only moment in all of cinema that I can readily identify that will routinely make me choke up and tear up. It's the only one I can think of. And it's it's right at the end when Ben Stiller 
like like at the very 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 end, and he says, "I've had a tough year, Dad." And that moment, I don't know why, it, every single time, it just makes me choke up. And it's just like, oh my god. So I, I hesitate to criticize too much. Yeah. Because, again, I haven't sat with this one, and I, I'm not as seasoned with yeah. all, you know? You know what it's that, just... it's funny, do you, like, the, I have that same kind of moment, um, not in an Anderson movie. Um, you know, like, movies never really tend to make me emotional no, no. in that way. Neither um, and it might just be because, you know... You're an asshole? Well, I'm not going to rule that out. Uh, I'm certainly not going to rule that out. Um, but I mean, with a, coming from a sort of background in theater and filmmaking, where it's sort of like I, I maybe I just don't I don't actually get to pull myself out of thinking of it as a movie, mm. like yeah. that, that I just never I never remove myself to that sense or immerse myself. I guess turning on your perspective. Um, but the one the one moment this sound and it might sound ridiculous, but the one moment that every time. I have watched this movie, including the time I watched this movie on a plane. It just, I just lose it, and I can't, I can't describe it. Put solution to the basket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too, man. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's in the 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 most or the or I shouldn't say the most recent, but Jason Siegel's Muppet movie. Um, the the moment when they go when they go to see Kermit and his big empty mansion, and he sings the the whole song about oh, yeah, okay. being away from everybody and how they've all been apart for all these years. And the song is like I love that song and it's great. But then as, right after the song ends, he goes back into the room with Jason Siegel, uh, and and they they say uh, and they're trying to get him to do the show. They say it's. Uh, come on! It's 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 time to play the music. It's time to light the lights, and then he just like tink like twinks at those little those little couple of notes on the keyboard on the piano. And every time he those little notes play on the piano, I just lose it. I did my just tears streaming down my face. Can't can't explain it. I, there's something about this like sense of like loss and melancholy with those like three notes on the top of a piano keyboard. Well, there may be hope for you yet, buddy. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes certain things just hit you. Yeah, you know. Jared, do you have a do you have a similar moment? Oh, since we're man. sharing now. Since, since we're having a big emotional you know cry fest here. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's I the have podcast, the type of it? moment that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd have the type of moment in cinema that makes me choke up all the time i think in darjeeling yeah um, you know it's about the three brothers and it's so weird because me and my uh, my older brother greg we always talk about how those three brothers in darjeeling are my, me and my brothers like oh, it's sure al- it's almost exact like the way that they interact with each other the you know their whole family dynamic of what's going on like it's almost as if you know, that movie was written for the three of us and I don't choke up when I see it. And honestly, it's probably my least favorite Anderson movie, Hmm. which is weird because I have such a connection to it, but maybe that's why just because I look at it and get upset or something. Um, but I mean, Saying it's my least favorite Anderson movie is like saying yellow is my least favorite peanut M M&M. and M. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to love it. And, you know, and I'm going to want more. Um, but you know, every time I watch that, it's sort of you know, not really choked me up. But I, I, you know, I get very reflective on my own life. I guess. Yeah, Darjeeling Limited made me get in a 
minor car accident ones. Oh, God. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Jared, how, how many of Daly's accidents have you witnessed? Because my count's at five. Oh, I, I think I'm at zero. I've, I don't think I've ever witnessed a Daly accident. Yeah, probably not. Um, we went to see, uh, Ben and Warren and I went to see Darjeeling uh, at the Academy, actually. It was like the premiere. Uh, the, the, really? Yeah. A friend of ours was working for Searchlight, and so she got us uh, tickets to this premiere um, in, like at the Academy in Beverly, the Academy screening room in Beverly Hills. We saw the movie, and we you know, we're walking back. We're all parked in a parking structure. We all live together, and of course, we all drove separately because wow, because Holy LA. Shit. Um, that is crazy. I know, right? What are the odds? Uh, <laughs> so we are walking back to the parking structure, and I think we were even all parked on the same floor, and we got into an argument about the that last tracking shot at the end of the movie. Where, yeah, where they're running to the train. Yeah, when they're, when they're in the train, and the, the camera's running along the length of the train, and, like, each, it goes through each car, and you see, like, you see Bill Murray in a car, and you see Angelica Houston in a car, and you see Natalie Portman in a car, and somebody, I think it was Ben, one of them thought that that the shot was meant to be taken literally, that all those people were on a train all together. All were there? That they were, all, that they were all on the same train. Oh, that's weird. And I was like, no, no, that's definitely not true. That's definitely not the way it's meant to be taken. Uh, and we got like, we got we got so worked up about it. We weren't even like like legitimately angry. We were just like so excited and like worked up about it that we literally like right like walked up to my car having this argument. I was like, fine, whatever. You know what? It's fine. I'll see you at home. And I like got in my car and like backed my car out of the spot. And it was one of those parking garages where you could only drive in one direction. Oh Jesus! And I backed out in the going in the opposite direction and backed my car into like a yellow po- like cement post. <laughs> you're, you're not good with the whole reverse thing. So sometimes, you? Apparently not. But yeah, wow. but Wes Anderson uh, made me smash my car up once. That's the story. Yeah, I think that, I think another reason this is a little bit off the tangent, but no, that's fine. Uh, but this ta- this podcast all about tangents. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think that's another reason, and this is honest, uh, why I don't like or why Darjeeling is the least, you know, my least favorite is because Darjeeling broke the string of final slow motion shots mm. in the movie because that tracking shot of the train and the brothers running towards the train and you know throwing their luggage away which a lot of people i think you know they yeah. think that's very heavy-handed imagery that yeah you know physically throwing away like all their all baggage their, all their baggage yeah yeah they're all, literally um, like their father's baggage yeah right but i love that yeah and that was a perfect place to end the fucking movie <laughs> it was like hey you know what my trademark is ending my movies on slow motion you know uh shots Let's not do it this time. Let's add three minutes of just worthless shit. <laughs> because it is. The last three minutes of, of Darjeeling, you know, they're back in, I believe it's New York, yeah. and they're getting into a cab, the brothers, um, and I forget what they're doing. I think they're going to the like the funeral or, or they're going to a service or something like that. I, I can't remember. Really? I don't remember any of that. I, I, I thought it ended on the train. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't end on the train. They go back. They go back to the city. And, um, there's, uh, there's like three minutes there. And I always said, I'm like, why didn't they just end it there with the slow motion shot? It was perfect. It, it, you know, it was a great ending to the movie. And then 
after since then, I don't think there's been a single uh, Fox Kingdom yeah. and Budapest. There haven't been any slow motion yeah. uh, shots. Fox is one that I keep. I really want to revisit because I, I saw it in the theater. It's the only one I've only seen once. I think. Uh, so I'll I really be honest. Outside of the big four, yeah. which are, you know. Um, Rushmore, Tenenbaums. Rushmore, Tenenbaums, Sisu, and Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. After after those four, uh, Fox is my favorite. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I I just because that's the one I think that that was the curveball. You know, that was the one that was like different because obviously it was you know stop motion. It wasn't live action, and you know you went into it like. All right. How is he going to do this? How how is Anderson going to play animation? You, you know, it's going to be it's going to be something different, obviously. Yeah. But then it wasn't. You could have filmed live people just in costumes. Oh, sure. You could have put George Clooney in a fox costume, <laughs> Meryl Streep in a fox costume, and had them act out that movie, and it would have been exactly the same yeah would have been exactly the same like just the amount of detail he put into animation stop motion animation it was just like he was filming live action and it was absolutely incredible and you know the story is really like the story is really fun and you know it's awesome to hear bill murray voice uh uh, beaver or whatever (laughs) he was um so uh, yeah, that, that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely my favorite after after the the big four. For the record, um, I would watch a movie with George Clooney in a fox costume. Oh yeah, I, I would, would watch the shit out of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd, be, <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, I think, but you know, what, I think that actually that actually brings up a good point, which is it's like it's you know it's not it's not at all surprising to me that when Wes Anderson decided I'm going to do an animated movie, that he would go with stop motion animation um, because it's it's got this very sort of tangible real world like handmade aesthetic he which is so it. part of his yeah. he, his he world. can manipulate it how he you know how he does and right but there's it's... but you see bits of that in grand budapest as well you know like there's all of that great miniature work uh Terrific. with yeah. the Definitely. the paper it's sort of like cut feels like cut paper uh yeah. hotel at the beginning and the ski slope stuff yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's it's I always love seeing miniature work on film because you just don't see it very often see, anymore. I, I do too, but I felt like I, I don't know. What I always look for in a movie is I always want to be drawn into the diegesis of the movie so much that I completely forget about myself. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's a story okay. and I'm immersed in it completely. And the thing is that for me, if you have too much stuff that it isn't. I'm, I'm, I don't want to call it realistic, but you know what yeah. I mean. It it'll actually pull me back out. Yeah, where uh, you see it, where you you feel like seeing something where it's like that's clearly something that a person cut up out of paint. Like it's not. I'm not clearly not looking at reality, right. and it and, takes and, you out and of it. And that's yeah. it's okay. But there comes a point to me when it's it's a little too, too much. much, and 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 I yeah. yeah, a little bit too much. And the other thing I noticed that he did is I I think he did some tilt shift stuff. Yeah, if you have a tilt shift lens and you do it and then you. Do the little shift. Yeah, it makes everything look like models, even though it's real. Yeah, yeah. and and I noticed some of that in some of the the, the higher up shots from the balcony mm. down into the um, oh the okay. hotel lobby. Yeah, into the lobby yeah, shots. I, I, I'm, I think you're right. And it, okay. you know, it's like at the beginning of it's like in the opening credits of Sherlock. Yeah, and okay, okay, but a little too much for me. Just like a little bit too much. 
Um, and, and, and the thing is, the effect, I think, on me anyway, was the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Yeah. And it's like, whereas I find uh, Tenenbaums endlessly charming, this felt like I, it was being, like, lobbed at me a little yeah. too much. Um, well, yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it goes back to that. I mean, he's got a very uh, sort of theatrical sense to him. And when I say theatrical, I mean literally, like, of the theater. Like, like he, he puts on little plays. He, it's basically oh, like he's maybe filming little maybe, plays. Maybe that's what it was, is that it felt, because I like theater. Yeah. But maybe, like, to me, it felt less like theater and more like a little bit like a puppet show. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think that's accurate. I think that's sort of a big part of where he comes from. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty. Yeah, you could stage a play. You could, you could do a stage version of every single one of his movies. Absolutely, it would be very, very simple to do. Um, I mean, you see it in his. You see it in uh, not just the way he like sort of shoots and stages, but even like there's that and there's that. It's that great bit um, at near the beginning of, of Budapest where. Um, it's, it's Jude Law and F. Murray Abraham, uh, eating dinner and, uh, and the, and the, the, the lights, lights go down. Yeah. 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 The lights go down and then they come back up and he's crying and it's like, it's literally, it's a, it's a, a stage revelation essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, I mean, he's done stuff like that all the time. Um, and it, I mean, it goes all the way back to, I mean, you even, you think of like, uh, Life Aquatic, and there's that great bit with the "Let me show you my boat." And, right, it's and, like it's on a stage. Yeah, exactly. You see the cross section and all the things. Yeah, I mean, it's you feel like they're literally it's a person presenting up on up on stage behind with I mean theater curtains. I mean that's and that goes all the way back to to Rushmore, you know, or all of those the, you know the theater curtains and the title yeah, cards curtains, and so. yeah, I mean. And and uh, again, you know, coming from a theatrical background, like I I love that shit. I eat that shit up, you know. Something uh, you mentioned just now, uh, which I think is, so I have to bring it up because if, if you know, maybe touched on, upon a, the couple of points on the film that I didn't really care for, or at least, at, you know, just wasn't extremely excited about. Yeah. Did it take you out of the movie at all thinking F. Murray Abraham is supposed to be this kid? <laughs> I had that thought. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I did have that thought. I felt like at one point I was like, are they trying to cover up the fact that they're clearly of different ethnicities with the fact yeah. that F. Murray Abraham has a very large beard? Like, uh, there's no. Uh, what? Yeah. No, something about that doesn't match up. But again, that that also feels like it really comes out of that that theater world where it's sort of like, yeah, you cast people and it's fine. Yeah, I, I guess so. Maybe he just really wanted F. Murray Abraham to be narrating the movie or yeah. something. I don't know. That that honestly, that kept taking me out of it a few times. I, mm -hmm. I kept saying, like, what what was that decision? Yeah, who, that who feels like. Um, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what movie we were talking about, but um, it's this thing that like I now think of it in terms of uh, Parks and Rec. Um, because it, they, on Parks and Rec, they call it the, the polar doctrine, which is oh, get, uh, get the funniest people and like, who cares if they match the character as written or whatever, like we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it feels, it feels kind of like that. It feels like he wanted F. Murray Abraham to do that role and he found this kid who was good 
and said, like, yeah, they don't look alike, but I don't care. Like, they're mm. both they're both great, so See, people will get over it, you know? I, I was okay. I could I was able to suspend my disbelief over the Abraham thing. Just, yeah. just because it was so important, I had to let it go so that I could enjoy the movie. Yeah. Well, but, and Abraham's but, not in but, it a lot either, but, so... But some yeah. of the other... The, the, the parade of celebrities pulled me out because they all had different accents. Yeah, the, uh, uh, Harvey yeah. Keitel had a distinctly, yeah, like, New York accent. Everybody was playing himself. Every, yeah. like, I was just like, okay. Like, and, and no attempt at, try, at trying to make it coherent. And, you know, fine. But at the same time, it, it, it was like, oh, celebrity. I, like, I felt like I needed to have a scratch card. Like, bingo! <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But that's also, I mean, that's But it was part, fun anyway, though. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, it was fine. And that's part of his thing, you know? And, it, and I think I, that also kind of, in a way, sort of feels very sort of theatrical as well, which is, it's like, you know, it's the Wes Anderson company of players, you know? Yeah. He's got... That's, that's where I would say the, the one part where I, not really disagree, but sort of kind of defending him, I guess, in that nature is that, you know, it's not the type of movie that's just pulling cameos just to pull them. Right, no, yeah, no, 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 no. They're all people that he's yeah, no, and part I, of his staple. But and, yeah. I, and I knew that, but there were so many. Yeah, no, I understand. It, there's also no surprises either. Yeah. It's not like yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, holy shit, there's... Um, uh, you know, there's like Dan Aykroyd for three seconds, just giving a random line or yeah. like, Oh, holy shit. That's like Marlon Brando's corpse in a chair. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, just that's to, another like, movie I would pay to see, by the way, is Marlon Brando's you know corpse in like, a chair. You know what me of? George Clooney as a fox. Yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember in the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet? Yeah. When Bill Murray is randomly a grave digger for absolutely no reason. No, Bill Murray's Polonius, I think. Who am I thinking of? Billy Crystal's a great Billy digger. Crystal, not Billy Jesus. Crystal's Sorry. a great digger. Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. And that and I remember because I I really enjoyed that. And then I saw that and I was like, it's Billy Crystal. Yeah. And then I was like, and, and then and then I just went my, my head went straight to Princess Bride. And I was just like, <laughs> now I can't watch Hamlet anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I I obviously it's it's tough for me, you know, usually I'm not saying too many negative things yeah. about about his movies, but mm. um, that's that's one thing that I would at least offend is that I, you know, I love seeing just his normal cast of characters, yeah. you know, even for just a split second, like, you know, Bill Murray wasn't in this for very long. No, I would have no. loved to have seen more of Bill Murray. In fact, no I would say the society of crossed keys there is the closest oh. you get to cameos. Cause you get Murray, you get Balaban and you get yeah. uh, the other guy, uh, from, uh, whose name I don't know. I should have looked it up beforehand. Uh, yeah, Fisher-Stevens. Yeah, Fisher-Stevens. Fisher-Stevens is amazing, oh, obviously. That was that that was actually one that shocked the shit out of me. Yeah. I guess I'll give it to you. I, I will... Uh, I got very excited. I, like, tapped on parts over. I was like, Fisher-Stevens. You did. You did. Yeah. If he had had the Indian accent, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they... But he, so, so, yeah, you've got Balaban, you've got Murray, you've got Fisher-Stevens, you've got the guy who was in uh, Life Aquatic, and he was the train conductor yeah. in yeah. Uh, in Darjeeling. And then I don't know who the fifth person was. Do you know who the fifth person Wilson was? Wilson showed up. Um, One of the Wilsons showed yeah, up. Yeah, no, 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 the fifth guy in the Society of Cross Keys. Oh, God, I don't know. The fifth now. hotel guy. I don't know who that was. I don't know. I recognize his face, but I couldn't. They're both checking their phones right now. I know. I'm not. It, it, you know, while, while you're doing that, just yeah. to bring up kind of the only other thing that was taking me out of it a little bit. Uh, it, at first, it was sort of aggravating me. Going back and forth between the different eras and changing the aspect ratio. I was going to mention that. I, like, so that took you out of it. 
it didn't take me out of it. I don't think so much as I was just kind of like, I know that you're in different time periods. I didn't really need you to change aspect ratios to kind of hammer that point in. Yeah. And I love, you know, I just love his framing and his, you know, I, I just love the cinematography of his movie so much that, you know, 75% of the movie is in four, three. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. But, but know, part sucks. of that, part of that actually feels like, in a way that feels kind of perfect for him. Like, and I was confused going into it because I'd seen so many, uh, commercials and stuff where they were all in four, three. And I was trying yes. to figure out like, is yes. that, is this movie shot in four, three or, I or said the same thing? Yeah. I was really confused going into it, but something about like, I almost in a way can't believe he hasn't already shot a movie in four, three because of that, like his love of, of the symmetrical, like the fact that I, I, I feel like shooting a movie in a, in a square is like perfect for him, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I just, I, I think it was just for me, it was like, like, oh man, like I'm losing those, no, I'm losing those two bars. I want to see what's going on in those two bars. Man. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a part of it that it takes me back to like, yeah, watching like pan and scan movies, you know, where you feel like, can I just crane my head around? Is there more picture over there that I can see somewhere? Yeah. Um, when you think about shooting in a square in modern times, what is that? Yeah. That's Instagram. Yeah. And Instagram... Does he have an Instagram? It must be the most adorable Instagram in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he does. The whole thing is, like, Instagram, to me, like, that, to me, is one of the... I, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do here is edge gently on my hatred of all things hipster. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> okay. and that's my worry about Wes Anderson, is that, again, I really, really appreciate his style. I, I, like, I genuinely like it. I yeah. really do. But... The thing that pulled me out more than the aspect ratio changing, more than even than the parade of, of you know, uh, faces, yeah, the yeah. parade of regulars. The thing that got me is when you would have, I'm not going to call it wasted time, but time that is spent on art for art's sake, where there's nothing actually happening in the movie. Like, and the one, the one that pops out in my head the most is when they're on the edge of that, what is it, tower or an observatory or something oh like over the mountains and and you start way out wide and you go all zooming all the way in and there they are in the end of it and then the search for spock monk comes out and it's just like (laughs) and and it's just like why did i need to see all nothing happened while while they were while they're out there and there are a few moments like that where you'll start uh, like like the shot will be of the ceiling Mm mm-hmm like you start on the ceiling, and then they have to, you know, swing it all the way swing down. Swing it all the way down. So that's yeah. Or like pan all the way over, and it, like again, a certain amount of that I really genuinely enjoy. But after a while, I'm starting to be like, like after to me, and I, again, it could just be a function of me. It starts to feel like a sloppy cut. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a sort of camera movement. It's a it's a visual. Uh, language thing that he really has latched onto. That yeah. Really, I mean, when's the last time you saw a movie that wasn't made by Wes Anderson where, you know, the camera literally pan, like swings over from one person over to another person and then back to the first person? Oh yeah, no like, one does it. I mean, it's no, like it's not a thing that you really see very often because it's such a you have to be so careful and so like specific and articulate that movement in such a particular way so as to not make it feel 
jarring like a 10 year old is swinging a camera around and don't get me wrong i'm not saying it isn't well done yeah yeah. it's really well done. but after but it's just i don't know i i need it to be like one or two ticks more invisible than it is well and i think that's there's a line in the movie that really struck me which was uh near the end when he when uh Zero is sort of talking in narrate in narration about uh, Gustav, and he says, uh, "I think his world had vanished long before he entered it." In a way, that feels like Anderson, you know, like his work is in a way sort of it's like it's almost timeless, but also sort of of a forgotten time, you know. Yeah. Um, it's storybooks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, his, his, he, it feels like he makes pop up book movies, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. That that's a really good I like that analogy, like pop up movies. Yeah. All right. Well uh I don't know if uh I don't Jared, I don't know how many of the episodes you've you've heard in the past, but uh we have our recurring <laughs> bit that we do. I was thinking about this one during the movie. Our recurring oh. bit is uh the heart of the Ghostbusters. Who is yes. the heart of the Ghostbusters for this movie? And uh as we have defined it, the heart of the Ghostbusters is who is who is the character in the movie? That you want to hang out and have a drink with. Yes, yes. Um, uh, and we really do lot, have a, a lot to choose from. Yeah, and you got one. a lot of different people. You got a ton. Um, Jared, I'll give, I'll give, uh, I'll give first blow to you, sir. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great question. <laughs> because I don't want to just say, you know, I just don't want to go say Gustav because obviously that that seems like yeah have we ever gone for the we've never had a protagonist ever yeah they've all been they've all been fringe supporting characters yeah Uh, Yeah. except for Jaws where we were there were only three characters so we I mean nobody chose nobody chose uh, 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 Roy Scheider (laughs) nobody chose everybody chose either uh, Robert Shaw or it was Hooper yeah yeah yeah. can I can I say can I say Agatha just because I kind of want to sleep with her that's totally legitimate okay <laughs> all right uh, my wife is definitely gonna listen to this now. <laughs> <laughs> no um no and that's that's another one where you know again like could you be any more wes anderson that is this like adorable girl making the most delicate of pastries that's a really yeah. good point who has a like a map of mexico birthmark on her face and not even like a birthmark that kind of looks like mexico like i could point out tijuana on her face you know no honestly i you know you know who's you know character's not really in it all that that much but that doesn't I matter think- it's never mattered I think that I, that's that's the guy that I would I would love to to sit with um, is uh, is Goldblum. Yes, is Kovacs. Yeah, and can I say that uh, really a very un-Goldblumy performance from him? There's, I mean, I feel like there we've sort of hit a point where you know Goldblum sort of has a reputation of these sort of weird verbal tics and mm-hmm. whatever and. I mean, he, I don't want to say he played it straight, but, like, there was a sort of very focused sort of intensity to that character that, I mean, aside from the moment with the cat, which is... That was awesome. Transcendent. One of, one of the best parts of the movie. One oh. of the best moments of the movie. That was, like, that to me, and if you want to, you know, you want to start something new, that was, like, the, um, 
That was like the Bill Murray SWAT of Rushmore. <laughs> in Rushmore, where Bill Murray SWATs that kid playing basketball yes. when he's on the cell phone call, that made me piss myself. That, was, <laughs> that moment in Rushmore was that one moment where you just go, this is something special. Like, you know, some, just that moment, which I think Bill Murray actually improvised. I, yeah. like, I don't, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that wasn't in the script. That is but, in no way surprising to me. Yeah, but the fact that, you know, the fact that it was kept for the movie and, you know, it was just this surprising moment. That was, that was it for, for, for this movie was the cat out the window. That was just hysterical. Oh yeah. All right. So you're going, you're going with Goldblum for the heart, part of the Ghostbusters. I'm, I'm going, I'm going Kovacs. Go, Kovacs. That's a good choice. Bartholomew? Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, the nice. bald prison no question. man. Totally Harvey Keitel. That's though, true. though Agatha is a really good point. Yeah, that's totally fair, and I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, she's she's um, lovely. Yeah, yeah. But I, I still gotta go with Harvey Keitel. And the head in the basket, Jesus! The head in the basket was oh, another yeah, moment. Yeah, like that was yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, How did yeah. we miss the head in the basket? Because I, I was gonna say that's a really nice fake out where you think like, oh shit, Agatha's yep. dead because yep. they you been, know she's gonna be dead. Yeah, they've been talking about her as like someone who who's not alive. So you're like, oh shit, and then her head in a basket, like. But then to actually see the head in the basket and it's not like holy fuck like that's that also feels very out of the boundaries for Wes Anderson. It would have been way better if they just pulled up and it was just Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the basket? What's in the basket? <laughs> What's in the basket? So you're going with Kaitel. Um, I'll say there's a part of me that wants to go with um, Jason Schwartzman, the shitty. The shitty bell, the shitty uh, concierge. I thought about saying him, yeah. But what I'm actually going to go with is Bill Murray. I mean, I'm always going to go with Bill Murray. All right. Mo- all right. I'm going to say Bill Murray because I'm fascinated by the concept of the Society of Crossed Keys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. And and the fact that um, I was like, the, and especially the little, like, funeral sequence, the, and, they, and they've all got, or the, not the funeral sequence, the wedding sequence at the reasons. end. Yeah, and they've all got different colored tuxedos that they're yeah. wearing like that was uh, like i that whole little like i feel like there should be uh so you know he's made wes anderson has made a couple of sort of like companion short films and for this one it was uh uh the sort of it was a how-to on how to make the the dessert the courtesan de chocolat which uh i'll say our original game plan for today was that jamie was going to come to the movie with us she was going to join us on the podcast, and she was also going to make the dessert while we podcasted. Um, but uh, yesterday was her. I threw her a surprise birthday party, uh, and, uh, and we went we went to a bowling alley where they served her vodka by the pint glass. So nice. uh, that none of those things happened today. <laughs> um, but I like. I wish that the companion film for this had been a short story about the Society of Cross Keys. Like I wanted, like I wanted to see more Bill Murray and Fisher Stevens and Bob Balaban and Wally Wolodarski. That was the name of that guy. Who? Yes. Yes. That who, was him. Yes, who's yes, appeared yes. in some other stuff? He's been in a bunch of Anderson's other movies. It's like small roles. The um, Society of Cross Keys is actually a book that actually was the inspiration for the movie. Really? I, I saw oh. at the end it was like based on the writings of whoever. Yeah, um, Stefan Zwig. Yeah. Zwig. 
Zwieg, I guess. Zwieg, and that, yeah, and that's Zwieg. like that's a book. I, I'm not sure if it's fiction or nonfiction yeah. or what, but um, that's kind of the inspiration. No, for that's the curious. Movie. But yeah, I would have loved to see a whole little short film just about like those five guys and some oh, other thing yeah. they had to do. You, you know? know, they fight crime. Yeah, <laughs> they are the Justice League of the uh, European hotel industry in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. As long as it's not the League of Extraordinary Concierges, <laughs> well, we'll be all right. All right, well, I think that's that's probably about all I got for uh, for the Grand Budapest. Any any other Budapesty thoughts? We have anything we haven't touched on? Uh, do, do you know who um, who is the agent for Adrian Brody? <laughs> Adrian, like, I don't understand his career. It's you know he was in Darjeeling, yeah. And then, you know, did Moonrise Kingdom, and then he's in this. And every time I, you know, in those two movies, he's been he's been really, really good. And I think it's actually interesting. I feel like his career has come full circle now that, um, you know, he won an Oscar for, for playing a Jew, and now he's a fictional Jew killer, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you take, if you take that, you know, the whole fictional ZZ. Uh, oh, yeah, no, God. yeah, the yeah. zigzag society were yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it seems like, he does Anderson movies or shit. Yeah. 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 It's I like don't two, remember two, the M. Night Shyamalan. Three, years ago, three, four years ago, Wes Anderson was like, oh, you know, hey, you know, I got uh, I got this movie uh, called Moonrise Kingdom that that I want to do. And, you know, I, I think he'd be perfect for this for this part. He's, you know, like a camp leader. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big, meaty role. I think he'd be great for it. Oh, man. Yeah. Wes, it's great. Um you know, I loved working with you. I got this movie called Movie Forty Three. I'm going to do like, <laughs> a huge hit, and that's kind of got my time. So I'm just going to do that and call me next time. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Really good. I, I thought I thought he was perfect as sort of like the villain. You know, other yeah. than you know Will, Willem Dafoe. I mean, obviously. Should we talk about Willem Dafoe for a bit? Yeah, I mean, his say? skull ring uh, did, brass knuckles are. Uh, did, yeah, did he have fangs? I was trying to figure it out for most of the movie whether he had the Nosferatu fangs. He did, well, yeah, like, he, he did the Nosferatu movie. No, yeah, I know he, he did. Felt like he was doing no. He borrowed his old Nosferatu makeup at one point. Yeah, he might have, but he was. I mean, he was great. He was. Uh, oh I, yeah. I, you know, he's a horrifying hitman. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if that guy is hunting you, holy shit! He is, and this is this is a true story. I, when I lived in uh, L.A., well, this was, I lived in L.A. doing the uh, Emerson semester program. Yeah. And um, I had my internship with the Playtone Company, which is Tom Hanks' production company. Right. Uh, And I don't know what movie this was for, and I don't even know if he ended up doing it. Uh, But, you know, I'm sitting at a desk and, you know, doing whatever I was doing at the time, probably licking stamps for envelopes or, you know shining someone's shoes or something (laughs) uh, i'm I'm sitting at a desk and you know i see you know one of the you know one of the producers in the office you know walk down a staircase and you know walk towards the door and i'd heard like the buzzer going off i hear a door open i hear a door shut you know come around the corner oh can i get you water and i hear this voice that just a chill goes down my spine and i look up and i lock eyes and it's willem dafoe and i i I shit myself. <laughs> he was smiling too, and I thought he just wanted to fucking kill me. <laughs> the man is 
the man was incredibly scary. And so, yeah, when he, when, I mean, playing an enemy on screen, it's he's like the ultimate. Even with his voice, yeah. you know, because he's you he know, barely kind of talks like, in the I whole think, movie. I think he had right? one line. Yeah, I already. I, does he? He might have. Oh, yeah, no, two lines in the prison scent in the prison yeah. scene. I think are like the only times he ever talks in the whole movie. Can you imagine? being Willem Dafoe. <laughs> like, you wake up in the morning and you go to shave or brush your teeth or something and you look in the mirror and it's freaking Willem Dafoe looks back at you? Shit! <laughs> so I've got a couple of, uh, we'll do a little transition here. I've got a couple of uh, sort of current events things, things that have happened in the last week. Mm. Um, and uh, Jared, I- I'm, I'm very, I- I'd, love, I'd love to get your perspective on some of these things. You know you're gonna. Oh, good. <laughs> um... So one of this, this is actually sort of literally like minutes old. Um, Jamie emailed me this on on our way home from the movie. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. James Rebhorn. Yeah. So sad. James Rebhorn passed away. Uh, skin cancer. He'd been battling skin cancer for a while. James Rebhorn. So not for a while. Like 25 years. Yeah. He was diagnosed. I think I, I think I saw him like 92 or something. Like That's that. insane. So yeah. uh, James Rebhorn. Uh, I mean, everyone's sort of, he's one of those guys where sort of like every, he's, everyone's got a movie that they probably think of him as. Uh, for me, hey, for most people, it's probably Independence Day. He's the That's asshole fine. Secretary of Defense in Independence Day. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the other one for me is, um, he's been on Homeland recently. She, he's uh, uh, Claire Danes's, um father who's got, uh, what's that disease where you can't remember things? Um, Alzheimer's. Daily, that's dailyism? it. Dailyism. Yeah, dailyism. That's it. Yeah. Um, so he's been her her dad with Al- with Alzheimer's. Um, but the other one that he really jumps out as for me is he's the asshole uh, headmaster in Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman. Yeah. He's the, he's trying to get Chris O'Donnell to rat out his friends. Yep. Um, and he's and he's and he's so good in that part. And he he only has a couple scenes, but he's so he's so good in that part. Also, um, also great in my cousin Vinny. My yes. cousin Vinny, absolutely. Um, automotive uh, yep. expert. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The tire expert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's. Yeah. I mean, he's a. He's just. He's one of those. He's one of those that guy character actors where he's been in a million things, um, and it's 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 really sad. It feels like he should have had. You know, we should have had like ten more years of of great James Redborn movies at least. Yeah. You know? Or at least a show. You know, like. I, I understand that there's, you know, there's got to be these character actors to fill the small roles that, you know, and there, there have just been some over the years that, you know, just, just amazing character actors that just really stand out in those small roles. Yeah. But I would love to see some of these guys, you know, get a shot at a little more, you know, a little more weight. Yeah. Little more weight, little more meaty, just, you know, just so people that could, you know, maybe people that don't necessarily I guess appreciate a character actor or, mm-hmm. you know, realize how important they are sometimes to stories, uh, into, into films, you know, just really appreciate how good of an actor these, or an actress, you know, they are. Absolutely. Uh, there's one that really jumps out at me. Um, and that's, uh, Eddie Marson, um, who, is a British guy, great character actor, um, and he he was in, most recently. I think he, he probably he was in uh, the World's End. He was in the Simon Pegg Edgar Wright World's End movie, um, and he's and he's great in that movie. He's got he's got a couple of lines that just like some great like funny lines that just kill me. 
Um, but he's also got that great moment. Did you see World's End, Jared? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got that great moment with the bully who doesn't remember him. Yes. Um, and, like, that's a that's a great little killer character moment there, which apparently is actually based on, like, that actually happened to Edgar Wright. Like, that's where that moment came from. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but he, the, one of the movies that I watched for my, for my year-long project was uh, The Disappearance of Alice Creed. And that it's a it's three people in that movie, and he's one of them, and he's just unbelievable. And it, it feels like exactly that moment where it's like a little character actor moment, like you know, before before World's End, like his probably biggest role or sort of like biggest movie that he'd been in, sort of role. He was uh, Lestrade in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies, which oh. in, in those movies is a tiny tiny part. Like he's. He's got like three scenes in both in like each of those movies. Yeah. But yeah. he's got a he does really really good work in Disappearance of Alice Creed and it feels exactly like that like a great character actor getting the chance to do some some really solid work. Character actors. Who, Who gives, gives a, a fuck if we're fat? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, that actually leads me to another another little bit, and this is again just a little minor note. You're but, talking uh, about Frozen. Indeed, no. So, well, Patton Oswalt. I was going to say it was actually nice timing. Uh, Jamie and I went to see Patton Oswalt a couple days ago. Uh, he was he did the show here in Boston. He was thanks. He was very good. Barbara, yeah, you were there. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Bart was there. Nope, still an asshole. Nope, still an asshole. Bart was there too. Um, uh, and we literally, I got home from the show and found out that he's going to be appearing soon on, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show that they have on ABC. Stop it. Swear to God, he's going to be in the Marvel Universe. Wow. Like, that show has not really hit for me. Like, I keep watching it, and it hasn't been great, but I just sort of keep watching it because I like, like, I, you know, I... I have a devotion to Marvel and their world that they've created, and this is mm. part of that world, so I'll keep watching it. But right. For the most part, the show hasn't really done a lot for me. But the inclusion of Patton as a Shield agent, as a Marvel character, is, is ridiculous. Whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. he's going to be a Shield agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah his character's name wow. is uh, Eric Koenig, who I guess originally was one of the Howling Commandos, like. In the older comics where Nick Fury was like a World War II character, like a, one of the commandos in World War II, he was one of Fury's men in the Howling Commandos. So he's going to play some agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., some some, some S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, before the season is out. So. Yeah, I've watched 0. 0.0 seconds of that show. I also have watched 0. You've 0. missed seconds. out on very little. Here's the one thing I'll say, though, is that I'm really curious about. So they're... they're they haven't done a lot to really... Aren't they overlapping it with Cap? Well, okay, so that, that's what I was going to say. They haven't done a... They, they, it's, it's all part of the same universe, obviously. Um, they haven't had a lot of, like, flashy guest stars or anything like that from the movies. Like, Samuel L. Jackson has shown up once. Um, Sif. Lady Sif. Lady Sif showed up. Uh, Kobe Smulders showed up in the pilot, I think. So hot. Uh, they, so they've had a, they've had a couple of sort of quick cameos, but like no, none of the Avengers have showed up, for example, you know. And I'm not Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be on this show. Like that's that shit just isn't going to happen, you know. Um, but they've had one Marvel movie that has come out since the show's been on the air, and that was the Thor movie. Thor. Yeah. And the episode that aired the weekend, the, like the Tuesday after Thor premiered, 
started, like, the beginning of the episode was, like, them in London, literally, like, in a, like, the aftermath of, like, the battle at the end of Thor, and they were, like, sorting through debris and shit. And, like, there wasn't any really big connecting tissue or anything. It wasn't like you needed to see the Thor movie to make sense of this episode. But it was, like, acknowledging that shit had happened. Yeah, same universe. But it was, like, in the most cursory of ways, you know? My understanding, and I haven't seen it, but, uh, obviously, uh, but my understanding of, of the next, the new Captain America movie is that it is tied very closely to S.H.I.E.L.D. And they've already started to drop some hints about this on the show, like, uh, you know, or uh, the trailers. Coulson, well, no, 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 like, Coulson, in the last couple episodes, like, Coulson has been trying to find Nick Fury. He's been, like, trying to get a hold of Nick Fury so he can ask some questions about some shit, and everyone just keeps saying, he's off the grid, he's missing, like, not he's missing, he's off the grid, nobody knows where he is, whatever, he's gone underground. My understanding is that the Captain America Winter Soldier is going to really sort of seismically shake up S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, as an organization. Hear, yeah. And even, like, some of, you see some of the ads uh, for just the commercials for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and, like, the Captain America S.H.I.E.L.D. is behind the logo. So, like, whatever's going to happen in Captain America is, I think, going to have a very direct influence on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in that I think, I feel like these characters might be on the run, or that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D., there's going to be, a, you know, a big sort of overthrow power struggle within S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's going to have a big impact on the show. There will only be a handful of episodes left before the season is over, but I think they've already been picked up for another season, so... Um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm curious to see how they really play with that. Has, has there been any mention of S.W.O.R.D.? No. Okay, because I, I mean, I only, I have only a vague recollection of this, but I know that there's S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And then there's S.W.O.R.D. Actually, the reason I ask is because of, actually because of Guardians. Yeah. Because if, if my recollection is correct, and it's quite a long time out, from any time I knew any, anything about this, is that S.W.O.R.D.'s focus is yeah. more about the space side of Marvel. The galactic uh, shit. Uh, yeah, okay. and with Guardians coming out and a shake-up in S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. you see my point. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see. I feel like a lot of Guardians and, is and, going... And if, and if Next Avengers has Miss Marvel, yeah. there's a lot of potential for space shit to happen. Right. So, I, I have the... I mean, I... I, I suspect that a lot of Guardians is going to exist very separately from the rest of what's happening. I think you're probably I right. I think it's going to, I think Guardi- the Guardians shit mm-hmm. is going to really start to become more directly tied in between Avengers 2 and 3. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of the Guardians characters show up in Avengers 3. Um, and I feel yeah, like the Guardians movie good. is sort of setting the stage for what's coming later, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that stuff start to get tied in as mm. we go. That actually leads me very, very well into uh, what's going on over at Fox. Fox announced this past week uh, a bunch of. They did one of those. Uh-oh. We're we're sticking a flag in a bunch of dates like years in advance, so we can stake out these these release dates for a bunch of movies. Um, so they. Like, they literally staked a claim to a date for for uh, Fantastic Four 2, even though Fantastic Four 1 hasn't started shooting yet. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> I, I paused so that so could that happen. That was a high-altitude one. Yeah, that, that one came in from quite a distance. Yeah, well, 
If if history of Fantastic Four movies is any foreshadowing, this movie's gonna suck. I don't know, man. <laughs> Have you seen Chronicle? Yeah, I saw Chronicle, but I mean, I don't want to see Chronicle two. <laughs> no, but it's the same director. The same the guy who did Chronicle is doing Fantastic Four. Yeah, I don't want to see Chronicle two. <laughs> They're bringing Michael Jordan into it, too. Yep. I, I don't know. I mean, no, Chronicle was a great movie. And yeah. I just, I wish all these movies, I wish all these franchises were just back at, at Marvel. Like, you, the only the only one that I, I mean, the, the Spider-Man now, I really liked Amazing Spider-Man. And uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to Amazing Spider-Man 2, even though I think I've seen the whole movie with all the fucking trailers that have come out now. I know, and they did it with the last one too, where it feels there was a. In fact, for the last one, there was a guy who literally took all of the trailers and the ads and like every promotional bit that they had released before the movie, and he cut together twenty minutes of film. Yeah, like twenty so minutes much. of the movie from just from trailers, which yeah. is insane. And, you know, and you got Singer now who's, you know, really just invested in the X-Men universe and, you know, fleshing that out. And, I mean, he's he's terrific to begin with, so you expect you expect that in good hands. So when Fox announced all these release dates, um, they announced this Fantastic Four sequel. They also announced another date in 2018, which they just said was an unknown Marvel movie. And nobody knows what that is. Like, they've already announced a sequel to another X-Men movie after this, which is Apocalypse. Um, and now they've... And they discreetly already laid claim to a second Fantastic Four movie. They don't have any other Marvel franchises. So when they say 2018, we're going to do another Marvel movie, that really only means two things for the most part. It means either a third X-Men movie that they just don't want to put a label on, or it could mean an X-Men Fantastic Four crossover movie, which is not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. You know, every studio wants, they, they look at Marvel and they say, oh, these comic book crossover, like, you know, joint universe things, like, the, the, everyone's taking the wrong lesson from Marvel. Everybody's looking at Marvel and going, oh, they like connected universes. Well, then we'll yeah. do our own connected universe. So, like, yeah, Sony right. is already planning on doing a whole, like, their one franchise they have is Spider-Man. So they want to yes, flesh uh, out the Spider-Man universe. They want to do a Venom movie and a Sinister Six movie. They're going to do movies about Spider-Man villains because it's the only other characters they have rights to. Yeah. Which is yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. But the idea of a Fantastic Four X-Men crossover movie, because those are the two franchises that Fox owns the rights to, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That could... That could be really interesting, if for no other reason than you could literally, I mean, God knows what kind of state we're going to be in at the end of uh, Days of Future Past plus Apocalypse. Plus Apocalypse. You, yeah. I mean, you could really pick and choose, like, who, which X-Men characters showed up in a Fantastic Four movie. That could be really interesting. Could it be another, uh, just another standalone Wolverine? They have another Wolverine movie coming too. That they also announced that separately because they have a, a writer for that. It's, oh, this guy oh, doesn't really have a lot of credits. Um, but they, yeah, they're they're going to do another standalone Wolverine movie, which I think will make. Assuming that Wolverine were to show up in Apocalypse, I think that will make nine movies for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, Ooh. which is hey man something crazy. Take that forever. Yeah, I mean, aside from maybe. Aside from maybe Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I think 
Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is probably the most perfectly cast guy in a superhero role ever. Yeah. Well, and he's Dolph Lundgren as Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) It's very close. That is that is yeah. That's a coin toss. Close third, but um, yeah, like you know, I mean, he's perfect. Like you, when he finally decides, I'm not doing Wolverine anymore. Yeah. It's the type of thing where. Do I want to see someone else do Wolverine? No, I don't care. I would, you know, I love Wolverine movies and I love X-Men movies, but I, I, I honestly don't want to see someone yeah. else in that character. Well, and at this point, I mean, literally, we're talking about the first, the first X-Men movie came out in the year, in 2000. So right. if we're literally talking about either another X-Men movie or an X-Men Fantastic Four crossover movie, if he's in that movie, 18 years of playing the same character, when's the last time you saw that? When's the last time you saw... A Did Connery movie? go that long with Bond? Kirk? Uh, I mean... Oh, Kirk, yeah. Kirk, Kirk. Yeah, well, Kirk, yeah, Kirk. But that's, I mean, but that's, I mean, you start with TV. It still counts. Yeah. No, it still counts. 66 goes in, yeah. That's true. Still I mean, it's, but certainly I, in the in the in the I mean in the sort of modern era. I mean, you we'll call it the modern well, era I mean, where it's like people like, to. oh, I do three or four movies and then and then I peace out. At the very least, it's like he's literally aging out of that movie, out of that franchise. You know, like they had a, Fox had an opportunity here when they did First Class and they set it in the past and they redo the thing. I mean, obviously Jackman makes a little cameo as Wolverine, but. They they sort of had an opportunity essentially to reset Everybody. the X Men franchise, reset the X Men timeline, and say, and they didn't. Yeah, we could we could go back to present day with different actors and still have it be part of this new sort of continuity or whatever. You know, it wasn't really beholden. But now that they're doing Days of Future Past or bringing all these old actors back, like I mean, this has to be the last hurrah for the old cast. It has I to mean, be probably yeah. yeah think so. w- w- with the exception of Jackman, I mean Halle Berry's not going to do Storm again yeah, after probably, this. Probably I, I just doubt it. I mean, I think the other aside from Jackman, I mean Stuart and McKellen are probably the other two that you really sort of break the bank to keep right, around. Right, but they. Yeah. Or, but frankly, and not to be crass, but they were old to begin with. No, but that's so, the thing. Like they're not aging out of those movies. No, you know? they're like, they're staying the same age now forever yeah. until they die. But yeah, but I mean, it's this it's this idea of you know these studios that have to keep churning out these movies to keep the rights to these characters, and it's like it there, it, there turns a point where it's like you have to. Are we really going to get a re, like doing the origin story? Like once a decade because yeah, it, because actors age out of the movies or they don't want to keep doing this one role forever and they feel like every time we change an actor we have to reboot the whole franchise. I actually it's the one thing that I have to give a lot of credit to DC right now is that they're you know they're starting Batman over and they're not doing a Batman origin like no we're going with an old man Batman not old man but like. You know, yeah, Batman who's been around the block, and we're not going to explain his backstory again. It's just sort of like, he's oh, Batman. oh, and here's Batman. You all fucking know who Batman is. This is Batman now. And, like, there's something really refreshing about that. Like, that's what I want to see when some of these franchises start to turn around again is, like, yeah. let's just, let's just that's, pick it up and let's just run with it, that, you know? That's actually an interesting point. You know what I'm, my, and I don't think this is going to, I mean, I don't believe this will happen, but it's my hope, and I'm just going to cling to it for dear life. My hope is that this con being distinctly different from original con, and he is, yeah, 
is that they're going to bring Khan back for some reason later. That he might actually play out in some other way. In some totally other way. That's the only way. Like, I'm holding on to that because that would almost justify their total mishandling of the character. Yeah, maybe. I mean... Abortion. I know, I know, I know. But, like, like I'm going to cling to that just because it's the only thing I can think of that's going to make that movie make any goddamn sense. Throw up in my mouth. I know, I know. We all did. All right, we all well, did. on the topic of uh, disappointing uh, reboots... Yeah, um, okay. Ghostbusters 3. No. Next. I don't want it to exist. Next story. Yeah, I know. Okay, no, here's the thing. I agree, like, I've been a long proponent of, the, like... Just, just make it stop. Just don't like. There's no reason. Don't go back to that. Well, like Ghostbusters doesn't. Don't don't revisit that shit. It's fine as it is. Like that's the one franchise I do not want you to cash in on on name value alone. And when Harold Ramis died, that's the thing. It was like, what, look, Murray doesn't want anything to do with this. Harold Ramis is dead. Like I do not want a. Ghostbusters movie where you try to reboot this on name recognition alone and oh Dan Aykroyd was here for five minutes and that makes it okay like that does not make it okay what does Winston think I don't know what Winston thinks does anybody know what Winston thinks yeah I don't think anybody knows didn't anyone fucking learn from Blues Brothers 2000 no one is sitting around saying like oh, let's remake man. Gone with the Wind yeah, exact, I, that was the exact movie that was on the tip of my tongue like, no one wants to do that it, it just it's it's I don't know. It's you know what I want to see? I agree. Okay, but here... Uh, <laughs> what do you want to say? What I really want to see is Dr. Strangelove in space. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to see. Let's do it. I think it's only a matter of time Cash before that, that happens. Motherfucker in. No. Really, really quick, really quick, just to, uh, really quick off the top of your head. What mo- if, you, if you could reboot just like the worst movie to reboot ever, what would it be? Like, Matches the Universe. Think- Masters, Masters of the Universe. The universe. Okay. Let's reboot that because it was shit the first. Someone's time. been. They've been trying for quite some time now. Have they yeah, really? But, you know, oh shit. yeah. Because that could. That actually could be awesome. I think not. rebooting shitty movies is a good idea. No, right? I agree. Ocean's Eleven. Great movie because the first movie, even though it's got you know Sinatra, yeah, 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 no, it's just yeah. Sinatra hanging out in Vegas. It's fine. Right, the first movie's just shit. So yeah. it was a you know a great reboot, great series. Yeah. But, like classic movies, like you know, hey. You know, what if uh, Dorothy was a student at K-State? <laughs> night before the big K-State football game, the Big Ten Championship, there was a tornado. <laughs> walking home drunk from a rave, was picked up by the tornado and placed down in the land of Oz. This this is not what I want to see, but guess what? People would probably be like, you know, if I brought this... They'd line up for that shit, yeah. Up around the block. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Can we make her a part of a dance crew? Uh, (laughs) You know? Like... I don't know. It's it's just shameful, too, that, I mean, you know, like the Amy reboot. That fucking movie's going to make money. Oh, hand over fist. Make someone rich. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm all about movies. If you're going to remake movies, make movies that had like interesting uh, had an interesting premise but wasn't executed very well you know yeah, blood those, gnome those are the blood gnome pin the plastic nightmare pin the plastic nightmare these are things we should remake um here's what i'll say i, I not that i want a remake of it but like a continuation of it um i, I will absolutely without question let's buck, do clue again buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension 
Buckaroo Bonsai. Okay. Because that was, and it literally it ended with, uh, there will be another Buckaroo Bonsai adventure. Buckaroo Bonsai against the World Crime League. And it never happened, obviously. But that movie's, that movie's also fucking amazing. So, like, I wouldn't want them to remake that movie, but I would love to see someone, like, do another, like, a, like an update of that character. Like, you know what's going to happen? You know what it is? It just hit me. You know what movie's going to come back to bite us in the ass? What's that? The Fly. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. I think they're. I think they might be done with the fly. No, not. I mean, time, I, yeah, yeah, time. yeah. That does. That feels like a time bomb. That feels like yeah. only a matter of I'm, time. What I'm doing is I'm looking at Daily's DVD shelf, the DVD shelf, and I'm like, what of these movies are they gonna destroy? Yeah, Up the fly. The the development on Ghostbusters three this past week was in light of the passing of Harold Ramis. Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman officially stepped back and said, I'm not gonna direct this movie. He had been Good. sort of. Uh, potential or, or uh, tentatively attached as a director, and he said, "I'm not going to direct. I don't want to direct this movie anymore." Uh, with with Harold gone, like it doesn't it doesn't feel right. I'll, I'm going to stay. I'll stay on board as a producer, but it feels like you know that we have a script, and Sony's really like excited to make it. Um, and the original Ghostbusters were there in a sort of minor capacity, but it's really a sort of handing the torch, like new characters kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to direct it, especially now that Harold's gone. So it was like, okay, well, now who's going to direct this movie? The only names that have surfaced to direct this movie so far are uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who directed the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. These guys have literally made a career out of taking shitty movie pitches and turning them into amazingly funny awesome movies i guess so yeah. i mean like i this like i don't i don't and there's no part of me that wants to see another ghostbusters movie but if it's gonna happen anyway i like those are two people that i go i feel like they might have a way to make this they might at least make this thing watchable you know you know what though yeah. you know what we're gonna end up with if that happens even in the best of hands what we're gonna get is new robocop out of it yeah, you think? As we said, yeah, New RoboCop was nowhere as just nowhere near as shitty as we thought, maybe hoped. In my yeah. case, it would be, and great, fine. It's still not even close to original RoboCop. Oh sure, right. like different galaxies, and I just don't want that to happen to Ghostbusters, especially because I think if if the premise of the movie is passing the torch to a new generation of Ghostbusters, that just sets the stage for a whole new parade of shitty Ghostbusters movies. That's true. And I don't want to see that happen either. So I watched, why even bother? The other day I watched, I found on YouTube, uh, there was a, they, they tried, they did like a cartoon, a new Ghostbusters cartoon series a couple years back called, uh, I think it was called Extreme Ghostbusters. No. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, and I watched like the pilot again because uh, Egon is in it and uh, it was un pretty unfortunate. There was a guy in a wheelchair, and there was a Hispanic guy, and and there was a punk rock chick, and the whole the whole the whole thing was pretty bad. There's no need to reinvent the wheel; just appreciate the wheel. All right. Uh, well, I think that probably just about wraps it up for us. Uh, uh, Jared, thank you for joining us. Um, your insight I, I, was valuable. Thank you. thank you very much for having me. Of course, uh, I I love the show. Yeah. Love being a part of it. Thanks, man. Anytime, well, any anytime you guys are uh, you know watching another Wes Anderson movie or any movie in general, I'd love to. Love yeah, to no, exactly. we'll, so we'll definitely have you back. Uh, and at some point, I mean, we're we're 
we've been talking about we want to do some older movies too, but we're also heading into the summer movie season right now. So it's just going to be yeah, we have a little bit of time. Yeah, it's going to be a little off and on. But so so actually, while we're you know on that note, we're uh, you know we've been trying to say what we're going to do the fall the next week so people can prepare if they want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Next weekend, I'm actually out of town. I'm going to New York. Of all things, I'm going to see uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen do their Broadway bit. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to do, we, we, I think we're going to take next weekend off. I think is probably what's going to happen. Um, I really want to see, I really want to do Noah. I really, I really want to go see Noah. I really want to talk about that movie. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, but I think we're going to have to wait a couple weeks. I think we might have to reserve that one later. Uh, because I'm, I'm out of town this coming weekend and then the following weekend is Captain America, which clearly we're going to do. Absolutely. So I want to hit some of the old stuff that we've been watching for a million years, but we haven't watched together in a long time. Yeah. Like I would watch Rushmore again because I haven't seen it since we watched it in high school. Sure. I want to watch, I really want to watch Bubble Boy with you again. Yeah. We got to do Bubble Boy. Have you seen Bubble Boy, Jared? I've never seen Dude, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> it's the most amazing, terrible, it's it's great. You'll yeah. love it. You, you will can, love it. You can buy it on Amazon for $6, and it is worth every all six of those dollars. It is. Jesus. Like, I, I want to watch Evolution again. Yeah. And I want to hit some of the, like, Daily, what's your favorite movie of all time? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters not counting. Ghost, well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers... Wrath of Khan's up there. Ro- Robocop. Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers, Robocop. Those, that's the trifecta for me. All right. Yeah. maybe Those are three movies that I can watch at the drop of a hat anytime, and if given the chance, I would never change anything about any of those movies. You know what we're going to have to do at some point? We're going to have to watch my favorite movie. Because, I mean, I have Ghostbusters, and I have Doctor Strangelove. Yes. But my real favorite movie, as you know, Leagues. is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which, even though we've been friends since the ninth grade, we have never actually watched together. That's and I'm, probably true. And I'm betting... No, I know we haven't. And I'm betting you haven't seen it since you were a kid. I Yeah, no, I haven't watched it in a long time. All right, yeah. I'm going to mark that one out. All right, yeah, we should do that. Um, including the, the amazing... Uh, bonus feature there with what's his name well obviously with uh, Eric, Peter Laurie Peter Laurie's okay Jerry <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your world right now really listening audience um track down find the blu-ray or no, the DVD it try, doesn't exist on blu-ray no yeah find the DVD for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with uh with Kurt Russell uh Kurt Russell Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell. come on man wait I want to fly I want to watch that to see with Kurt Russell yeah that would be awesome Jesus Christ Kirk Douglas is what I meant to say um and Peter Laurie and in the special features on the DVD there is a like wonderful world of Disney bit with Peter Laurie like talking about making twenty thousand leagues under the sea, and it's literally he just he, there's a bit. It's, it's him just it, talking to the camera. Yeah, it's ta- the creepiest thing you've ever seen in yeah. your life. Because he's Cause got that weird Peter Laurie voice, so he's literally <laughs> going, "I love this movie. It makes me very excited every time I watch this movie. I like to go to the theater and watch it. It only makes me more excited. So if you're in a the theater and you hear a man making strange noises." Don't worry. It's only me, Peter Laurie, being oh, very excited. It's so scary. <laughs> That's almost as good as my favorite. It's not really an Easter egg, but on the Conan the Barbarian DVD, um, uh, uh, Milos Forman, yeah, the, the director. Yeah, uh, the 
there's a Milos Forman, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, no, no, uh, Conan is John Milius. John Milius, yeah, I'm sorry. Milos, Milos Forman made Man on the Moon and uh, various yeah, yeah. other things. John I would. Can we? Can I get a Milos Forman <laughs> version of Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> I would pay really good money for that. It's yeah, it's, it's John. So it's, it's uh, um, John Milius and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, commentary track. And I'm pretty sure he starts off drunk, but <laughs> as a funny bit, they thought it would, you know, the, the opening credits start and, um, John Melia says, hi, like, welcome to the Conan the Barbarian uh, DVD commentary. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, and I'm John Melius. And if you believe that you believe there's little Richard Simmons Jr.'s walking around. <laughs> <laughs> and, like it just. It goes on from there. Like, you can hear the ice rattling in his drink. He's like, just getting more and more hammered. It's quite, it's, it's quite amazing. I got to track that down. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll do, we'll do some older stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think next week we'll probably we'll, we'll be off next week, and, uh, and then we'll come back uh, the following week with uh, Cap- Captain America. More Marvel. More yep. Marvel's always a good thing. So, uh, so uh, Jared, you're the best. No, you are the best, both of you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, had a great time. Thanks, man. Uh, Bartholomew? Yep. Lovely as always. Always a pleasure, sir. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. Tomorrow.